Welcome to the Mindset Mashup. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow, TV host on Extra, master brand strategist, author on gratitude, and co-founder of Mindset Programs. And I dig deep to bring you closer to your best life in this lively, unfiltered, and heart-centered podcast. The Mindset Mashup is a compilation of real talks focused on epic mindset rituals and routines to help you get after your passion and potential. Tune in each Monday for inspirational guests who reveal their mindset must to help you optimize what matters most, self-love, impact, fulfillment. I'm so excited that you're here. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Mindset Mashup. You know, I created this show because I have been influenced by some of the world's most epic masters, mentors, writers, luminaries, thought leaders, my own parents for so long. And the more that I live, the more that I've come to realize that mindset is truly everything. And as I started to research the mindsets of all of these amazing influences on my life, I couldn't find just one place that I could go to, to just be at this compilation, this index of all of the masters. And so I decided to create it. And also, of course, I wanted to bring that back to you and, and let you get to choose and select, you know, nuggets from each one of these conversations that really resonate and land uh, in a way that you guys can get after your purpose and potential right away. And so that's what's exciting about this show. And especially as we grow, you guys, the listenership is on fire. It's like a little rocket ship and I'm super excited about it. Deeply grateful. It's why we're doing this. And the more that you share the episodes, um, you know, the reviews that are coming in, the more feedback that we get about the value that we're truly bringing to your life makes all the difference. And it helps us bring you more incredible guests week after week. So today I am very excited to bring one of those extraordinary minds and it's Mastin Kip. He is incredible in this talk. I have been a fan of his for a, a very long time, but after this conversation, just a fanatical fan. He He's very real about where he was as the founder and creator of the profound online platform, The Daily Love, to where he is now, and an event that happened when he was four years old that informed and crystallized his true purpose on the planet. And he unpacks all of that in such a real, beautiful, sincere, generous-hearted way. And then he defines purpose in a way that I've never heard before that's so unique. And I think you guys are going to absolutely love this conversation as much as I did. I cannot wait for you to listen. So without further ado... Here's Mastin Kip. Well, I am so excited to have my next guest, Mastin Kip. Welcome to the Mindset Mashup. Hi, Michelle. Great to be here today. It's <laughs> such a pleasure. All right. Well, I'm going to dive on in for those who might have been living under a rock and unfamiliar of your unbelievable presence uh, on the planet. I want to uh, give everyone an update of where you've been, where you are, and then we're going to talk about where you're headed. Um, so I'm going to start with the bio. So Mastin Kip, you're a number one bestselling author, speaker, and creator of functional life coaching for people who are seeking rapid transformation in their lives. He's been featured on the Emmy Award show, Super Soul Sunday and Rec 
recognized as a thought leader for the next generation by Oprah Winfrey. Mastin has built a highly successful international personal development company that has helped people create rapid change, connect to who they really are and how to live their lives with passion and purpose. Through his writing, online courses, in-person seminars, and international retreats, Mastin has worked with over 2 million people in over 100 countries around the world. Oprah recently also named Mastin one of 100 awakened leaders who are using their voices and talent to elevate humanity. Alongside other teachers such as Tony Robbins, Carolyn Mist, Deepak Chopra, Dr. Brene Brown, Marianne Williamson, and Eckhart Tolle, just to name a few. Wow, what is it? What does it feel like to hear an intro like that? It just requires patience because it takes so long. <laughs> <laughs> but you're so young. Yeah, I, for whatever reason, I've always just had an intense sense of urgency in my life. So um, I call it uh, impatient. I've been impatient uh, when it comes to this type of stuff. So young, yes, but um, you know, on the day to day, my my life is. Um, very, goes very very quickly, and you know that includes young when I was younger, and I uh, was impatient to get into trouble, and uh, then I was impatient to heal, basically, you know. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a, uh, it's awesome, exciting, and for me, at the end of the day, you know, I've worked in Hollywood, and I've worked with a lot of celebrities, and and all that jazz, and and the highlights and the billboards and whatever, all that stuff isn't just that's just is that's like a byproduct of what we do for me my number one focus and my moonshot uh in this lifetime is to end emotional trauma and so whatever helps me aid that uh you know i'll use as a resource i love that and i heard you say that on a recent episode of dave asprey's bulletproof radio podcast where you said that and i literally had to stop my car i was driving on pch this is no joke it was about three weeks ago pulled over to the side of the road in malibu and i wrote it down on my phone even though i could have rewound i was like that is such a nugget so can you repeat that yeah so yeah that's all by the way it's so cool um yeah, my moon sh- a moonshot is uh, an idea that is so big it seems audaciously impossible, uh, basically, and um, and so it comes out of the sort of exponential uh, world thinking world of thinking with people like uh, you know Peter Diamantis and Ray Kurzweil and Richard Branson and Naveen Jain, Dave Asprey is in that world, and um, you know so I, I like to I love exponential mindsets, which is like the, think like as big as you can, then ten x that, and then ten x that, and. Um, and so, you know, I got clear on after a lot of research and differentiation process, um, what I'm really good at, what I'm passionate about, what my life history has been. And I got clear like, oh, yeah, my thing is the emotional trauma work. Uh, seems like that's the problem that we're having in the world today. There's all these other problems we think we have, but that's the problem. And if we can end that problem, then I think pretty much almost all the other problems will get solved. And so the moonshot idea is to end emotional trauma in my lifetime. And maybe I won't get there, but hopefully I can get it far enough along so that uh, whoever comes after me can finish the job. I love that. You know, and I was watching uh, another episode that you did on impact theory recently, and you were talking about something around doing the thing that you're most afraid of and then do it until you're not afraid anymore. This moonshot, did it scare you in the beginning because it felt so audacious? You know, it's interesting. It's scaring me more now than before um, because um, it's becoming more real now. Like, like, like you're si- sitting here saying, uh, "Yeah, that's a good idea." And so, you know, um, I think, I think in the beginning, it was like, "Yeah, that that like." There's a part of me that's like, "Yeah, that that'll never really happen." You know, that's just a, that's a crazy idea. But the idea is kind of catching on, and that to me is like. 
oh, okay, that other people are into this because you know when you start talking about things like emotional trauma, um, you know it's kind of like hey, let's talk about cancer, let's talk about domestic violence, let's talk about really hard things. But the thing is, is that when you look at the research and the data. The emotional trauma work is the most important stuff you can do for high performance, to earn financially, to live in a great relationship, to have purpose, to you know set a good example for your children. Like whatever your goal is, the only thing that's really blocking you is the unresolved emotional trauma and then the associated nervous system and uh, physical states that result that kind of keep you stuck. And when I realized that, I was like, why is no one talking about this? And I wasn't even talking about it because I thought this is too heavy for people. Like I'll market something that's a little bit more light. And then when they get in my program, we'll talk about trauma. And that worked for a long time until maybe six months ago, I saw Oprah on uh, 60 Minutes and she did an interview and uh, about uh, brain uh, child development and childhood trauma and adverse childhood experiences. And she literally said, if you're not talking about trauma, you're talking about the wrong thing. And I said, okay, Oprah, uh, I'm hearing you. And you know what? I'm coming out of the closet with trauma. <laughs> I never forgot uh, the question that she asked, which was her big takeaway from um, doing that segment. And she said, instead of asking people who are in trauma, what's wrong with you? What happened to you? Yeah, exactly. And that's what we do. That was such a powerful question. Well, that's what I, what I was like, that's what I do, you know? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, so let's unpack this because already we've gotten so deep so fast, but I want to unpack it and just go back to, obviously you must have experienced some emotional trauma yourself. I mean, when you were really young, you hit rock bottom, you were addicted to drugs and parties and living in a tiny pool house and your ex-girlfriend's parents place, jobless, nowhere to go. And you look to the divine for help. And so obviously millions of people know who you are from at that point, you were inspired to create the daily love, which generated millions of followers around the world. Um, but what, what do you think was the catalyst there that as you look back and connect the dots, you were able to see how your emotional trauma was not yet looked at? Yeah. Um, it's a great question. So, um, First of all, it's it's funny upon retrospect because I look back at like the principles of the daily love and like what we did there um, back in 2006 and seven, and and it's like the standard best practice today of like anybody who's trying to do anything online, Gary Vaynerchuk, to you know whoever, right? And uh, like I was reading, I uh, never read it, but a friend of mine told me to read Crush It by Gary, and I was like, I was like, yeah, I was doing that in 2006, Gary. Um, and, and what's interesting too, is that I think that I have, a, like for someone like Gary as an example, I have a tremendous respect for Gary, um, and what he's built and created. And I think, for example, his work, um, is not trauma informed and I can identify with that and building something really big and giving out advice and ha- not having your work trauma informed because there's this, this idea of like hustle, get it done, work harder. And I absolutely believe in hard work. If you saw my day to day, you know, I wake up super early, I get, you know, eight hours of sleep at night, but I go to bed, I get up early. I have regiment. I have you know very specific self care food protocols, like you name it. Um, and I think that it's not about just living in the state of chronic hard work. I think it's um, we're getting to a place of being able to systematize things and and value things beyond just you know uh, crushing it. And I think the marketplace as a whole, especially the personal development marketplace and message, is do more, be more, become more. And, and compared to 
whoever. Um, and whether they intend that or not, that's the message people are getting. And the problem is the whole conversation is not trauma-informed. And I wasn't trauma-informed for a long time until I started coaching people. And I started noticing because I would ask the question, why? Which if you ever want to find the root cause of something, just ask the question, why enough? Five or six times and you'll usually get there. And so what happens uh, was I was working with clients and eventually I started to realize, I've been doing that for over a decade, there's always this hurtful thing that something happened to someone that like made them not do the stuff they say they want to do. Like that was my a big takeaway. I didn't have any languaging for it. And I did more research and more research and more research, worked with more clients and started to realize like, oh yeah, that's called trauma. Oh, that's not just trauma. It's emotional trauma. Okay, well, what is that? And then we looked at all the different types of trauma. There's relationship trauma. There's shock trauma. There's like corporate trauma. I mean, there's so many different types of trauma. The biggest objection I hear to the trauma work is that I don't have trauma because I wasn't abused in my childhood, but you went to grade school, <laughs> okay, right? You'd probably are trying to do a Facebook Live. You're in a soul-sucking job. You have chronic tension in a relationship. You watch the news. Like there's so many things that produce emotional trauma that it's not even just your parents. It's the environment that we're born into is a traumatizing environment in and of its nature. Um, you see all this chronic illness that's happening today. That's a byproduct of trauma. You see the polarization of the world today, politically and uh, otherwise, that is a byproduct of trauma. You're seeing the Me Too movement, right? That's a byproduct of trauma. It's all a byproduct of emotional trauma. And and the, the problem with the entrepreneurial community is that we say, well, screw that, just work harder. And the problem is like you'll work yourself right into the grave. And for every successful launch that people talk about or successful promotion, let's talk about the marriage that fell apart. Let's talk about the lack of presence that there was there in a relationship or the how you weren't there for your children or how, how's your HDL and LDL levels doing. So there's always sort of like a, a, a cost-benefit analysis that has to be given to sort of the idea of crushing it. So I was starting to hit rock bottoms in my own uh, physical body. Um, you know, end of my 20s and my lower back is going out. I'm getting gout all the time. Um, you know, thinking that I have my shit together and I'm like, what is this? So I start asking why I start doing my own work. Um, you know, I know that obviously, uh, you know who Tony Robbins is and he's a, a buddy of mine and a mentor, you know, his date with destiny seminar completely changed my life. Um, that, that sem- I, I want to like live in that seminar. <laughs> I want to, you know what, I'm going to, can I, can I have you back on in a couple of months and let's just talk about Date with Destiny. I mean, it's crazy. The way that I'll put it about Date with Destiny is Date with Destiny is the best seminar that I don't facilitate. (laughs) That's what I would say. Okay. Fair enough. Then if you say that, then I'm coming to one of your seminars. That's it. (laughs) Cause that's a high bar. And we can, we can get there. Uh, And I can talk about why, cause it's a bold thing to say. But, but the thing is, is that even with Tony's work, it's not quite trauma informed. He talks around it. He kind of, I mean, his interventions, he gets there, but it's, it's not, we, there's a, a, a fundamental misunderstanding of how the human nervous system works. Um, and so the difference between, because I get asked a lot, the difference between me and Tony, the big difference between me and Tony is Tony is the world's best expert and facilitator at helping people get into a peak state. And I think I'm probably one of the best people at helping you your nervous system feel like that peak state is safe to maintain, um, which is a completely different thing. And so, um, and, and I can say that because um, I've just I've just really d- done a hard analysis of what we looked at. And so, with my personal trauma in my childhood, you know, something opened up for me at Date with Destiny, where I had this um, memory come up of like going out 
And I was about four years old and my mom had a broken back and she was coming back from surgery and it was a significant surgery. And she was uh, after the operating room, she was in the hospital for two weeks and uh, no pain medication. It was like torture for her. Um, and she almost died. Like it was very traumatic for her. And they, they flew her back from Toronto to Fredericton where I was living at the time in New Brunswick, Canada. And I, this is before 9-11. So I ran out under the tarmac. And as they were bringing her in on the gurney, like I jumped on her. And uh, she obviously embraced me, but everyone around her freaked out. And I made a decision that moment that when I expressed myself, I hurt people. And I was like, but you know, Tony has you go, well, what was happening right before that? And I was just sitting there expecting my mom to come back, excitedly waiting for her to come back. And so I always thought about that. And I was like, what is what, what the hell was that? That's, that was like, that was like an important thing. And upon reflection, I realized, holy shit. That was a traumatizing experience. And then I started thinking about, for example, like Tony's definition of beliefs, right? What is his definition of belief? A feeling of absolute certainty about what something means. And I'm like, what's the something? I'm like, the trauma is the something. But we don't – so it's like, oh, that so belief is – so trauma or good things happen and we form nervous system beliefs. Um, and the thing is, is that the beliefs are formed in the body, not the mind. And so – like you start going down this rabbit hole and a whole new model emerges called functional coaching, which builds on the human potential movement of, you know, sort of the, the Warner Earhart S landmark, uh, Tony Robbins sort of tradition. But we add in that trauma piece because the thing is, is that you can't just reframe a limiting belief and it goes away. You can't, and now movement and changing your state is the name of the game. However, you, if you only focus on state change without, understanding the core trauma that essentially makes it impossible to maintain that state long term because the body perceives any state change as a threat, then all of a sudden you're just sort of, how should I put this? Like it's like you're just pumping something up or you're just having a short term thing. And but what's interesting is is that when people revisit and understand what their core issue is and then realize that you know what, the way they responded to it wasn't bad. It was adaptive and defensive. And they, and they see how that planned out as a good thing, then when it happens again, because it will over and over and over, the neural pathways are there, you can work with it instead of saying this isn't here or negating it or just thinking that um, changing your state will be enough. It's like you start to anticipate it. And it's contrary to a lot of personal development thinking because a lot of personal development people will say, well, you don't need to revisit that stuff. You just got to move forward. And what they really are saying is we have no fucking clue how to regress you in an in a efficient, efficient state. And even if we did, we wouldn't know how to change the neuro expectancy. So that if we did regress you, you wouldn't stay in that shitty place from now on. We don't know how to get you out of it. And what I've been really focused on is how to regress somebody very quickly and then change the neuro expectancy so that they can pop out of it faster, go back there, pop out of it faster again, and then use that data and that information as a way to build on something moving forward. And it's very similar to the approach that functional medicine takes, which is what is the root cause of the symptom that you're experiencing? So you can think of meditation as no different than treating a symptom, right? And it's good. Like a statin is good for treating high, uh, high uh, cholesterol. It's great, right? But you have to treat the, you have to do a symptom approach, but also a root cause approach. So you can treat your stress with meditation, but I'd rather neutralize the root cause of it. And so that's really what I've been focused on. So for me, it wasn't some big abusive thing. It was when I expressed myself, I hurt people. And 
um, my mom had a broken back and was on significant pain medications like fentanyl for most of her life and was bedridden. And the message of the environment of my household was take care of my mom, take care of her. And so all the focus went to her and what, what happened was unintentional emotional neglect. So I never got the signaling as a kid, my needs matter, um, that I can speak up. I was told don't upset her, which was like don't get angry, right? And so I made up all these rules about what I have to do to kind of have that attachment, if you will, to my parents. And so my emotional trauma was neglect. And so that's why when I moved to Los Angeles, like the first girl who paid attention to me, I was like, you're my girl. And then I was like, oh, and you do cocaine? I'll do cocaine too, you know, so that I can just get that attention. And I didn't realize for a long time. And so Tony's work was so pivotal in helping me kind of understand the sort of, I'll say like the, a lot of the, the sort of base material that I was working with. But I started going deeper into the process of understanding the, the trauma element to it. And it's incredible. Everyone has trauma. Like everybody has trauma. And if you look at Tony as an example, um, you know, I have tremendous respect for him. But there was a big gaffe that he did uh, with the Me Too movement at UPW a couple months back. I was there. Well, you were there. So you saw it. I was at that event. I saw it in real time, yes. So then you know more than anybody. It's not that – I mean he probably – knowing Tony, he probably spent hours creating context before that event, before that moment. He did. But but the problem with that moment is that the body language, the tone of voice, the facial expressions approaching her, the optics, like it's not trauma-informed. It's not. And so that's where the space has to evolve to is we have to evolve to a place where it's trauma-informed. And it's not like Tony did anything wrong. He has the best of intentions, but the conversation has to evolve where instead of just saying, you know what, like I'm going to sort of like shock you out of changing your state or I'm going to challenge you. It's like, you know what, actually we have to sometimes take the opposite approach and create a safe environment. And it's not that we reinforce someone's limiting beliefs or their wounding by acknowledging it. The wound actually has to be witnessed. And that's the part that was missed. And that's the part that most personal development misses. They don't witness the wound. All they do is they say, oh yeah, so this happened, reframe it, next. And that is a, that's a trauma bypass that doesn't work. And so the space has to evolve. It's, not, it's, it's no one's fault. It's just this is a paradigm shift. The space has to evolve. But the most important thing about it is that the coaching space and the personal development space has to wake up to why did that happen? And what's the lesson in this? And the lesson is the conversation has to evolve to a trauma-informed conversation, that's what it means. And if anybody can take that experience and turn it into something valuable, it's Tony. But it's a it's a big, 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 big example of what I'm talking about as it relates to where the where people are versus where the market is. And so the marketplace has to evolve and the trainings and the teachings and the and the and the, the facilitators need to start to understand the concept of emotional trauma because without that you will be obsolete. I agree. Okay, so you're running Daily Love. You've had this unbelievable epic success. You've got a best-selling book out there on it. You've got everyone, including Oprah, talking about you and having you on high-profile television programs, etc. But you hadn't addressed your trauma. But you go to Date with Destiny. What year did you do that? Oh, God, I've done it so many times. I think the first time was 2009-ish. Okay, so you were still right in the heart of Daily Love, right? Because that was going and really active until, what, 2015? Yep. Yeah, you did your research. Nice. 
Yeah, sure. Um, well, just because for me, you know, I I had wondered where those emails went. It would be like not getting emails from Mike Tooley or Dooley, excuse me. <laughs> I think he uh, tut. Um, you know, so I remember that. And then I heard you on Dave Asprey's uh, podcast and I thought, oh, this all explains it. Oh my God, I need to have a mom. We need to talk about this. Because when you talked about emotional trauma and when you talked about your purpose on this planet is to end it, I thought that is so huge. Let's get up underneath that. So that's what I want to unpack. So you you are clear that, okay, you're still in some suffering, right? You've got this big daily love platform. You're impacting millions of lives, but yet you're hurting. You're in pain. How do you go from there to where you are now, including your amazing new book out called Claim Your Power? Oh, so much pain. Um, so much. Well, what happened was, I'll be real. So what happened was is, um, I mean, it's kind of Tony's fault. And it's kind of Oprah's fault. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. Um cheekily but you know like 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 date with destiny was such a um it was like there was a very marked difference in my life before and after the especially the first one um and and i i try to attend as often as i can and i haven't gone the last few years because i've been very intentional about trying to think my own thoughts and when i get into other teachers environments it kind of gets absorbed in there um but i look forward to going back uh in the near future and um and and so I this idea of like okay so you have to serve yourself and here's your purpose and here's this and here's that okay I understand and 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 service is the name of the game and okay what is that about and um and and the most important thing about date with destiny for me was you know and also UPW was watching Tony facilitate you know we, we, he, the, his interventions are so incredible to watch and and his his skill at being able to unpack things and create context and change states is unlike anything I'd ever seen. And what was incredible about it was is that I noticed that he had this like skill set of like instigating and like saying inappropriate things. And I was like, well, I do that, but when I do that, the response I get is anger. But when he does it, the whole room's laughing. So what is that about? So I started just doing a lot of my own sort of coaching. And uh, he actually gave me a license to teach the six needs um, in my retreats, which is kind of cool. Um, and, uh, cause I don't teach other people stuff without permission. Um, don't do that. And, uh, so anyway, um, I started teaching and, and doing stuff. And at first it was very sort of Tony esque. And then it very much quickly evolved because I kept asking why, 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 why? And we got down to the, to the trauma stuff and I would be leading these retreats or these, these coaching programs. And I'd be having these incredible conversations and these incredible results, people who have been raped, like getting free from it and being grateful and moving on and forming healthy attachments and relationships. I'm like, this is, this is the good stuff. And then over here, uh, I'm, you know, uh, publishing the daily love. And all of a sudden there was this like shift and I didn't feel the passion for it anymore. Um, and that's a scary thing because when you've been on Oprah and she says that she reads your blog and people know about your website and the thing replays or whatever, like there's a certain, uh, uh, professional, um, you could say that, yeah, to, to be able to like keep it going, but I just couldn't. And then the people who were contributing to the blog and who were my friends, I found myself feeling jealous of them. And I was like, why are you jealous of Gabby or Marie or Brendan or Lewis? Like, what is that about, Mastin? And, you know, in my work, I say, whatever you're jealous of or envious of, there's something in you that's unlived or unrecognized. I said, what? Like, oh, I guess I do want to be a coach. Okay, cool. So as soon as I recognized that, all that sort of drifted away. Um, but then I had to go through the painstaking process of figuring out, well, what makes me different? Like, like how am I going to differentiate? Because there's already a Lewis and there's already a Brendan and there's already a Tony and there's already a Gabby and there's already a Marie, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Who am I? What am I about? 
And that was probably like a two-year, two-and-a-half-year process, and it was a dark night of the soul professionally because I was so out front and doing things, and all of a sudden it was like I stopped and then fell off. And a lot of people like, where'd you go? <laughs> and it's hard to kill something that's um, – because it wasn't like the company was failing. I killed it. Um, I killed it because I wasn't passionate about it. Because it was no longer authentic for you. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. Like, it doesn't matter how much money I was making. I, I, I didn't. I didn't start. I didn't start the daily love for money, and so I didn't keep it going for money. Um, and I don't. Nothing I do is fi- motivated by finances. Um, and so, so anyway, so I started kind of getting into it, and I was like, okay, I do like life intervention. Okay, I understand that, and I just kept differentiating, kept researching, kept looking at the data, kept listening to my clients, and finally, I realized functional coaching. Functional medicine is very similar. Functional coaching—that's what I do. And then, you know, the Claim Your Power book came out, and that's a result of working with clients for ten years, and um, at these high-end retreats that I've been doing. And uh, it's a process that was created by working with people, not by just sitting around and thinking about something for five minutes. Um, it's a real intentional process. And and now that it's out, um, and people have been hearing me talk about this, the whole like I started being inundated with people from the trauma field. And there's so many trauma modalities to work with that people are like, how do, where do I start? So then I create a term called trauma hacking, which is sort of a process of how to sort of take your trauma into your own hands and use it to kind of get to the next level. And that's really where I'm focusing now is like, how do you literally rewire your body to make your nervous system your ally? Um, and um, that's been my focus ever since. But it's been painstaking. It's been painstaking. It's hard. It's hard. It's really hard. Well, you know, and I love this because, uh, so Claim Your Power is a 40-day journey to dissolve the hidden blocks that keep you stuck and finally thrive in your life's unique purpose. Now, purpose for me, Mastin, has always been such a trigger word and obviously a big buzzword. Um, And I think that it causes a lot of people trauma. (laughs) But what I loved, and this is another reason I wanted to have you on, is how you define purpose. It is the most beautiful, simplified, makes sense where you're like, why hasn't anyone else defined it this way? So I recently heard uh, one of your episodes on your podcast, the Power and Purpose podcast, where you say that people are just trying to get to the opposite of shame, the opposite of pain, the opposite of whatever that trauma has induced in them, right, in terms of an emotion. And that you talk about that our real purpose is to find an emotion that you generate, because that's what is on the other end of every goal or every dream or every quest that we have out there. But if you can't get to the root cause of the emotional trauma that's blocking that, then you don't have a shot. That's right. That's right. So that's what I love that you're up to. And I'm like, oh my God, how do I help you get the word out there? How do I get involved? How do I attend one of these events? So we're going to talk about that here, but I really love the fact that you're out there and saying that guys, purpose is simple. It's an emotion. And guess what? You've got the power. But unless you get your mind clear and your heart clear in terms of that that emotional trauma um, resolution, or like you said earlier, the, the, the neutralization of it, I have a question for you. So once you go and get up underneath the emotional trauma, is it is it just fair to say that it's always there and present, less triggered, but always there and you're aware of it? Or can you truly neutralize it? Unfortunately, it's always there. Think of it like a virus. Um, and depending on the conditions of the host, um, it either makes itself like like lethal or you, can, you have a little outbreak, right? Um, and here's why that's true. Um, you have neural pathways. Um, that have been myelinated and created that exist 
um, that are associated with all the behaviors and coping that are associated with that event, that, that context. Um, and you can build new ones and you can build new ones and you do build new ones, but it is a mistake and sometimes a, a very painful mistake to think, oh, I've, I've, I did my work. Like anyone who says, I already worked on this, why is it still here, doesn't know a damn thing about trauma. Be- and the answer is because you have neural pathways. <laughs> that's the answer. And that's why, for example, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman can be sober 20 years and then OD, right? Because the neural pathway is still there. So it's a, ma- it's a level of maintaining vigilance. And, and it, think of it like this, right? Um, you have a fitness routine. You eat well, you train perfectly, you take really good care of your body, you're hydrated, you got your nutraceuticals on point, your customized diet for your microbiome, and you do that for three months, and your body and life changes. Is it going to stay that way? No. Your lifestyle and environment determine significant amounts of that. And so it's something that requires a lifestyle shift. It bothers me when people say it takes 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 days to change a habit based on the research. It's like, who cares about changing a habit? Like, I want to change a lifestyle and that takes a lifetime to do that. So it's it's about dedicating yourself to a lifetime of this and, and looking for like the quick fix thing just doesn't work. But what we can do is we can identify and start to interrupt the pattern immediately. But then afterwards, it takes a significant amount of um, support and effort and uh, and 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 uh, relationships and the change of environment to make it uh, have a, a lasting effect. Yeah, you know, and I have also heard you talk about attachment theory and all of the disorders, and there's sort of like a lot of rhetoric out there and depends on who you talk to and where they're coming from on it. But um, for me personally, I was um, born and with jaundice pretty badly and then put into um, an incubator for three days at birth. And that was eternity for a baby that's one day old. And so I have always... That's your whole life. <laughs> battled. I've that is my emotional trauma. And so I've always battled abandonment issues and then chosen life partners on that. And, but when I'm taking care of myself, just like you mentioned before, and my lifestyle is optimized, I'm not drinking, I'm not smoking, I'm not having bad thoughts and bad people and bad experiences, right. That I would choose consciously and unconsciously, but I'm really optimizing my beautiful state, taking care of my body, my physiology, my mind, my heart, um, spending time in nature, you know, how it all goes then I find that I'm less inclined to be activated with that trauma. Does that make sense for what you teach? It does. Um, and, and the thing is, is that like the, 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 the two pieces that are sort of not highlighted at the moment that I think you're going to hear more and more people talk about is um, number one is the environment that you're in. Um, no affirmation or incantation is more powerful than your environment, uh, especially long term. Um, and then the second thing is, is that, you know, uh, the medical community and the mental health community, I'm going to use some therapeutic terms for a second. The message from <clears throat> the mental health community is you have to self-regulate your emotional state or we will medicate you. But that is so uninformed on two things, the DSM-5, the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual for Mental Health Disorders, which is the tool that mental health uh, care practitioners use to diagnose people, has two fundamental flaws. Number one, they should completely remove the word disorder and, re- and replace it with response. So instead of multiple personality disorder, it should be multiple personality response, uh, a depression response, anxiety response. And what's it a response to? Unhealed emotional trauma. So the DSM is not trauma-informed. And so the, the, the ability to diagnose something is um, a very limited 
uh, picture of what's actually happening. It's not that it's wrong, it's incomplete. And so when you start to look at how do you maintain what's that, what do you want to call a beautiful state, the way that you maintain a beautiful state is you have to have the right environment. And the thing is, is that the latest science shows that the only way to really self-regulate a beautiful state is that you have to co-regulate. So you have to have a tribe because the markers and the cues for self-regulation are embedded into relationships. So you cannot do it alone. So the biggest threat to maintaining a beautiful state, the biggest threat to not getting what you want is isolation and thinking that you can do it alone. And the internet and the self-love revolution has sort of given people a lot of fancy terms for how they isolate now. Um, and they think that they're not isolating because they're on social media, but they're completely isolated. But the, the, the markers for regulation and beautiful state are built into relationship. And so it's not enough to love yourself. That's good for triage. But long term, the only way to do that is, is, through, um, is through relationship. And if you think about, for example, Date with Destiny, what is it? It's, it's, it's social engagement right, in an environment where you're co-regulating with the tribe. That's why you feel so good. Right, so like that's why the environment matters. The, the the proximity to people who are in the similar state matters. All those things really matter, and without it, you can't maintain it by yourself. Right. No, it's so true, and I love that uh, you posted something similar to that on your social media a few days ago when it said, uh, "Surround yourself with people who lift you up." Part of self love is having a higher standard for your inner circle, and that means having a higher standard for yourself. You know, and so what I love about the work that you're doing, if we really go full circle, it's like you can't even have a high standard for yourself theoretically unless you're able to get up underneath and unpack the emotional trauma that keeps you isolated, holds you back, keeps you small and anesthetized. Right. I mean, this is, you know, it's just it's one way to look at it, at least from my little, you know, two seconds cliff notes version. But but also coming out of date with destiny when I, I truly got my life's mission and I was so clear on it and it scared me and I didn't like it. So very similar to what you're talking about, which I love that because if it doesn't scare you, it's just not big enough. Um, but what I realized was the big sort of white space of, for example, Tony's work and many of these amazing speakers. And I hope it's not the same with yours is we come out. We've got no tribe. We've got no community that we can really go to locally in person and online it's like okay we've just filled you up you know you're full of passion and purpose and mission and now what <laughs> good luck out there you know it's tough a couple things to that um the now what is the upsell <laughs> okay oh of course but it's more programs what about the community so here's the thing there's a couple things to that okay so so we, for the most part, especially our live events, I don't hold back any strategies. Um, when we have an upsell or, or a coaching offer, it's you, you're getting it for the community, for the implementation, for the one-on-one -on -one support, for the consistency, for the co-regulation. Like that's what you're getting it for the implementation. That's what you that that's what you're investing in. But but what I also do because not everyone can um, upgrade to our ProsperX program. Um, we have a whole section of our seminar that trains people on what to do now because I never got that training. And so we train them on, you know, there will be a dip emotionally and energetically. You will, you might get sick. You might have this, you might have that. And you need to have a mentor, a structure and a system. You got to have a tribe and you got to find it and you got to make a decision now. So whether it's with us or with somebody else, you got to make that decision. And I am not into scarcity uh, when we make offers at all. I think that 
the people who are meant to be will come and the people who aren't, they won't, but we, we serve the whole room. And obviously I can't create a community for everybody. That's called a cult. <laughs> right? That's what a cult is, right? But the, the data and the knowledge and say, hey, this is what it's all about. And you know, uh, my friend Louis Harder, uh, wrote an incredible book called A Tribe Called Bliss. And that book is like 10 years ahead of its time. Um, because like she's talking about in her own way, co-regulation and tribe building, but like that's the name of the game. So you definitely need to have a tribe. And that's one reason why, by the way, live events can be so impactful. And Tony's concept of immersion with space repetition, which I believe in as well, is so powerful because you go to the environment with the co-regulation of the tribe. That's where you want to be. And you have that emotional state change. But what we found is, is that it's in between the space repetitions where you're in the in-between. That's the hard part. And that's why with a lot of our coaching programs, especially our uh, the ProsperX program, like we now offer one-on-one weekly support our clients and a lot, we probably have 250 touch points in a year with our clients now because we want to always be with them consistently not just a few times a year yes i love that i love that and it's so good to know that you're out there doing that and so you've got all these amazing programs you've got the book out which by the way congratulations it's like a bestseller on all the lists um your podcast power and or power and purpose your coaching programs seminars international retreats where do you recommend someone starts? They're listening. All of my listeners, they want to understand how to truly access their optimal mindsets that they can possibly get after fulfillment. Where do they start with you? So I think the best place to start is claimyourpowerbook.com. Um, there you can get the book. And also I put together – so I know that most people don't read the book. <laughs> That's just the data. That's the day they read the first chapter. They're like, I got it. Or the best part is you read the title and you're like, I love books. You just read the title and you got it. Power of now. Got it. Like, got it. You know, if I feel the fear and do it anyway. Got it. You know, uh, claim your power. Got it. So, you know, um, I also, if you go to claimyourpowerbook.com, you enter your receipt information. There's a 40 day coaching program that comes with that where you get 40 days of me coaching you through the book itself. And if you don't read it, I kind of help highlight the important parts. So if you're more like a visual learner, um, you can learn that way as well. Um, and that's sort of like my gift to you for purchasing the book because my whole thing is I want people to implement uh, the process, not just like have the book on the shelf and like look at it every once in a while. Like, oh, I, I feel the energy of the book downloading. Let me fucking read that thing or at least get the coaching. Um, and that's probably the best place to go. And then, you know, we have uh, different live events. We have Claim Your Power Live each year. We have a business event called Prosper Live um, for people who want to kind of do what I do and want to learn the business side of things. But I think the best place to start is uh, the claimyourpowerbook.com or just claimyourpowerbook.com. And uh, all the resources are there. The coaching is there. And um, it's a great place to get started, I think. Awesome. Oh my God. I'm so happy to know that. And we'll make sure that we add that in the show notes. So now let's just get, just get to some basic uh, overview questions that I love to ask all of my guests, which now that you're here and you've been through like 3.0 versions of Mastin Kip's life so far, and there's many more chapters to come, no doubt. What have been your most effective mindset rituals and routines that you know, if you do these things, help you optimize? So I'm going to tell you something that's a relatively recent breakthrough. And I think it's probably the most significant breakthrough I've ever had. And I don't say that lightly. Um, so um, uh, if you want a rabbit hole to check out, uh, look up polyvagal theory um, and Stephen Porges, Dr. Porges's work out of uh, the Kinsey Institute in UNC Chapel Hill. Um, what, what we're learning uh, through Dr. Porges' work in polyvagal theory is that the human nervous system has three states, almost like a, a stoplight. 
there's green, yellow, and red. Green is social engagement. It's uh, it's safety. It's feeling good. It's you know a, a good regulated. You call it a beautiful state, if you will. Then there's yellow, which is anxiety and hypervigilance, where you're always on the defense. And then the red, the red is immobilization. And what's interesting is, is that we actually, as mammals, have an automatic immobilization response. Uh, the, probably the best version of this is the people who see blood and pass out. Um, that's immobilization. And so what happens is the vagus nerve regulates um, shutting down the body. So when we're in the presence of a, a threat that our body perceives as life-endangering threat, we don't go to fight or flight. We go straight to shutdown. And the reason why is because if you think about it, no mammal wants to be conscious while you're being eaten. <laughs> so, so, so this isolation tendency is a really big deal. But what's so ironic is that mammals also have a morbid fear of being immobilized because if you think about it, like if we're not moving, we're dead, right? We're going to be eaten. We're going to be – someone's going to – tiger's going to jump out and get us. So the goal – uh, from a polyvagal perspective, is to experience immobilization with safety and mobilization with safety. Now, what the fuck am I talking about? Here's the deal. Anything that you want, for the most part, in your life requires you to have immobilization with safety. Uh, an intimate moment with your partner, sitting down and writing something, um, you know, uh, being on a, on a treadmill, you're not moving. I mean, you're moving, but you're not moving. Um, you know, meditation. If you think about a hug, if you think about spooning, if you think about being present uh, at dinner, you're immobilized. And so I realized um, through doing all this work and coaching and the research that like Mastin, you can be immobile and safe because growing up, I was always focused on my mom and I was immobilized because we couldn't go anywhere and it was just only focused on her. So I felt trapped for a long time. Um, and so I realized that a lot of my uh, sort of best practices, if you will, were just ways of me keeping moving because I didn't feel safe stopping. Um, and so when I realized relatively recently that I can stop and not die, um, that was a complete game changer for me. And so what I do now is um, I wake up and my sort of, if you will, incantation to myself isn't anything fancy. It's just you can be right here. You can be still and safe. You're still and safe. You're still and safe. And you're still safe. And you're still and you're safe. Because it's so scary for me to um, uh, be able to slow down. And so so that's been a huge breakthrough. And what's amazing about that is all the shit that is sort of unresolved in my life that was I had, wasn't working on all of a sudden became no problem to work on because I was present. And I realized that there was a, a fear of, uh, not presence, but a fear of, of slowing down because that would mean I would go back to being immobile forever. And when I realized that's complete bullshit, I realized I could slow down. And then like all the other high performance stuff that I've learned, the tools and the stuff that we know, like they really start to kick in because I'm no longer trying to dissociate through momentum or dissociate through movement. I can actually still, I can be still, not go so fast and get things done. And like the last three days, um, I've literally like haven't even gotten on my computer till about 12 o'clock. And I've been like making lunch and dinner for my girl. And like, like I actually had a meditative experience doing the dishes, which is like saying that like, that's like saying that like, uh, I don't know, like the Red Sox love the Yankees. Like it makes no sense, you know? Um, but like, it, it seems so strange to talk about, 
but it's really a slowing down. It's a slowing down. And and I realized it wasn't like mass didn't slow down. Okay, I have to be still now. It's like, no, like I had a morbid fear of slowing down. And I start to look at the entrepreneurial community. And I think that's probably true for a lot of people. <laughs> is that slowing down equals death. And, that, and just, that's just not true. It's not, it's not true. Especially with people out there talking about crushing it and the hustle and the grit, right? Like 24-7 and with the, you know, screens everywhere. I love that. And does it make sense just for my novice ear and talking to you for the first time about this, that going back to your emotional trauma of neglect, and yet somehow you are soothing yourself with the antidote by not neglecting yourself so that you can feel safe being immobilized? Yes. Well said. And that's not a novice observation. Um you know, uh, my top purpose emotion is nurtured, and, and it's only and, and so I have to slow down to be able to be nurtured. And you know, that's because I didn't experience feeling nurtured uh, previously. And so, like nothing else is really possible in my life without me being nurtured. So, you know, when I look at uh, any of the problems I was having, it was literally because I was go- I was going too fast. And I had people in my life tell me all the time, "Master, you're going so fast," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, whatever." And we're going to keep going, right? Um, and what's incredible is that I actually get more done, even though I'm not doing as much. And so, like, it's a good ROI, too, <laughs> you know? Yes, I love that. I love that. Um, so what are your daily routines and rituals then? So this immobilization default that happens in the vagus, the antidote to immobilization, the immobilization response default is movement. So when Tony talks about moving your body and changing your state, he's totally right. And the data backs it up. So I typically start my day and I'll start my day depending on the day, either with bulletproof coffee and some uh, essential amino acids, or I'll do like a celery juice with arugula and some avocado, but something that's basically a little fat and protein. I'll do some steady state cardio for about an hour or so. I'll do some chanting, some meditation. Then I have a home gym and I train. Um, and then I'll spend some time with my girl. I'll make some, uh, I'll, you know, make some breakfast or some lunch or whatever. Um, and then kind of my day sort of starts to start. And uh, if I'm in launch mode, that's not the case. It's very different than that. But the first probably three or four hours is basically, you could call it in Tony's languaging, priming, right? I'm just spending that time getting my body in a certain state. And when I'm doing the uh, steady state cardio in the morning, it's not high intensity stuff. It's steady state for an hour. But I'm also doing a vagal breath. And a vagal breath is where at least 80% of your breath is an exhale. And what happens is when you exhale, the vagus nerve activates what's called the vagal break, and it starts to regulate heart rate variability and other things. And so I spend an hour exhaling 80% of the time, and it's literally better than a whole bottle of wine for relaxation. Um, it's really, really awesome. And But all you're doing is exhaling. So if you have a 15-second breath, you're spending 80% of the time exhaling. And it's steady-state cardio, so you're not out of breath, and you can do it. So you're burning fat and calming down at the same time, and um, you know that's a, a good one-two punch. <laughs> I love that. You know, And they talk about that in yoga a lot, the pranayama, and how you're supposed to have equal sides of an inhale and an exhale. And I always found that for me, that was it was so counterintuitive to what my body really wanted. I wanted to luxuriate in my exhale, so now I'm going to totally like go stop what you're talking about. Well, if you want energy, um, make your inhales longer. If you want relaxation, make your exhales longer. Now, how do you define fulfillment? How do I define it? I think fulfillment is really um, – is basically figuring out you know, what your thing, unique thing is, what you love to do 
And then how do you line that up with serving other people and creating abundance as a byproduct of service? Okay, so I have to just uh, piggyback, and I know that you got to go in two minutes, but I want to piggyback to your life's purpose is to end emotional trauma, which is big and bold, and I have no doubt you're on that path. And your top emotional need for yourself is nurture, you want to feel nurtured. How, though, do you tie your purpose of ending emotional trauma to that emotional need that you generate or that emotional feeling that you generate? Great question. If I can't nurture myself, I will not be effective. (laughs) So. Oh my God, it's so simple. I won't be effective. And the other thing is, is that it's amazing how correlated it is to Tony's work. You know, Tony, Tony obviously studied with Bandler and Grinder and NLP. And what's in, you know, obviously that comes from, you know, Milton Erickson and Satir and Fritz Perls and all that stuff, Gestalt therapy and Milton Erickson and all that stuff. But, but what's interesting is that all that stuff, all the NLP and the Ericksonian hypnosis and, and Tony and all that stuff, like polyvagal theory doesn't just explain it, it takes it to a whole other level. And so what that means is is that in any client uh, practitioner relationship, you are co-regulating that relationship. And so it's not just on the client. You got to bring like a certain vocal tone. You got to bring a certain pacing. You got to bring a certain facial expression to what you're doing. And when you talk about, you know, ending trauma, you can't end trauma from a depressive or anxious state. You just you just can't you can't do it. So for me, it's about cultivating that and maintaining that uh, regularly, um, and not just because I want to feel good all the time, which is nice, but also because it's the re- emotional state required to get the job done. It's what fuels the purpose, which is what I love about this whole chat is that you just broke down like how do we really get up underneath our purpose, uh, define it, and then live by it um, in a way that I really do believe is the white space of this whole industry um, that you are in. And so I just love it that you are at the helm and freeing so many people of the unknown. So thank you for for your service. Oh my gosh. It's my pleasure. And thank you so much for having me today. This has been a really, really fun conversation. Okay, awesome. Well, I salute you. I will let you know when this comes out. And um, I'd love to circle back with you um, and figure out how to join some of your programs in the future, which I will. And of course, I'll let everyone know in the show notes how to find you and get their Claim the Power book to at the very least, you know, get your 40 days of coaching and uh, good questions that you ask so you can help to lead us all to our purpose and neutralized emotional trauma that we don't even know about. Thank you so much, Mastin. (laughs) Oh my God. Thank you so much. You rock. Thank you for it today. You're amazing. Okay. Have a great rest of your day. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please share it with a friend and you can head on over to iTunes to leave me a review. That would be so appreciated. And of course, if you'd like to reach me directly with any comments, questions, or feedback, you can do so at themindsetmashup.com. Thanks again for listening and I look forward to hearing from you.